Today on Cross Defense, we hear about dinks and why it's an anti-Christian worldview. These dual-income, no-kids people are all about financial freedom. But is their selfish lifestyle biblical? If you want to skip the show, just look up Psalm 127. For everybody else, let's get into it. Welcome to Cross Defense. This is the show that aims to equip the mind, excite the imagination, and comfort the soul, all with God's Word. I'm your host, Reverend Tyrell Bramwell. I'm the pastor of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Ferndale, California, and owner of Butterfat Books with the lovely Mrs. Bramwell. If you want to reach out to me with your questions, your comments, or your bits of biblical brilliance, you can do so at tyrellbramwell.com slash contact. That's T-Y-R-E-L. Bramwell, B-R-A-M-W-E-L-L dot com slash contact, or in the comments section of one of my videos at youtube.com forward slash Tyrell Bramwell. Both the links are in the show notes, and I'd love to hear from you guys, so go ahead and do that. Last week, we talked about contraception, and after the episode was in the bag, I saw talk on something that relates to this conversation. There was a bunch of chatter about dink. Did you guys see this? Dink stands for dual income no kids. I guess you can also be a sink, a single income no kids in all kinds of variations like a dink wad, dual income no kids with a dog and all that kind of stuff. But Business Insider describes this misguided demographic saying their ranks are set to grow. They're making six figures and they want to spend their money on their pets and traveling. Dinks are not a huge share of the population, but they've been on the rise. Around 5% of the country's total population was cohabiting couples who do not live with a child under 18, and around 29% of the total population are married couples who do not live with a child under 18, according to 2022 American Community Survey data. Among unmarried couples, that figure is slightly up from 2019 per ACS when 4.4% of the population was cohabiting couples not living with a child under 18. The U.S. Census Bureau also finds that the aging population is increasingly child-free. As of 2018, over one in seven women were childless by the time they were between the ages of 40 and 44. That's higher than the one in 10 women who were in the same boat as of 1976. And 16.5% of adults 55 and older were childless as of 2018. That's what the Business Insider article has to say. But what was it that we read just last week from Reverend Stuckwich? Remember? He said, it needs to be stated clearly and unequivocally, contraception is not the rule, but the exception. It should not be regarded as the norm or the standard. The true norm, the starting point, the baseline and default position where faith and love reside to begin with is that a husband and wife will be open and receptive to children as they go about their normal marital relations. That perspective and priority has been the church's teaching, he says, in opposition to contraception and birth control for almost the church's entire history. Where faith and love reside to begin with, he said, a husband and wife will be open and receptive two children, as they go about their normal marital relations. That's having sex, yeah? So friends, what do you think? Do you think these dinks, those that are actually married and not just playing house, do you think they're open to and receptive to the reality of conceiving children when they have sex? Wait, 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 before you answer, before you answer, let's listen to what some of them, a couple of them, this one example, what they have to say themselves. And then maybe you can start to make an answer for yourself. Here, take a listen. 
We're dinks. We go to Trader Joe's and workout classes on the weekends. We're dinks. We get into snobby hobbies like skiing and golfing. We're dinks. We can go to Florida on a whim. We're dinks. We're already planning our European vacation next year. Dinks. We get a full eight hours of sleep and sometimes more. <laughs> We're dinks. We get desserts and appetizers at restaurants. We're dinks. We can play with other kids and give them back. <laughs> We're dinks. We still do it three times a week. We're dinks. We spend our discretionary income on $8 latte. <laughs> We're dinks. We max out our 401ks, Roth IRAs, and HSAs. We're dinks. We don't use our kids or dog as an excuse to leave a party. We just leave. <laughs> what did that guy say? They still do it three times a week? It being sex? Okay, so three times a week, he and his live-in girlfriend or wife enjoy their conjugal rights, but by his own braggadocious confession, not to receive the blessing of a child, but in perfect keeping with everything else they do in life. That is, to be purely self-serving. Wouldn't he be shocked? Wouldn't he be shocked to learn, if ever it was a public point of conversation, which usually it isn't, because we're talking about real men who love and value their wives too much to throw out a score sheet on TikTok. But if ever they did, in some, some, some sort of hypothetical scenario, wouldn't he be shocked to discover that many married men who, yes, have children, actually have sex at least three times a week, too? I mean, using his number, right? That's the number he threw out. Being married and having kids doesn't automatically make men into the trope you see in the sitcoms. No, not at all. And here's a crazy point, and I'm honestly surprised I have to make it, but kids, children, they're the result of having sex. I know, crazy, right? Which is one reason why fathers don't have to make videos on TikTok where they tell the internet they have sex. It's kind of obvious. It's just, it's right there in front of everybody. Uh, the woman in the video said, we can play with other kids and give them back. And that's just a creepy statement. Why would anyone want to play with other people's kids? I mean, I loved playing with my kids. Don't get me wrong. When they were little, I loved playing with my kids. But I have no desire to play with other people's kids. I mean, not even my nieces and nephews, unless they were, of course, playing with my kids. But play with someone else's kids? And then give them back? That's just creepy. What, are, are kids bowling shoes now? Are they, are they library books that you got to return? All right, so anyway, I want to talk about this from a, well, eventually from a Christmas perspective for today's show. Because this is our, our last show of the year as we're coming into KFUO's 12 Days of Christmas, which I highly re recommend that you stick around and tune into that during the season. And this dink trend is not only contrary to the Christian view of marriage and should be rejected by all Lutherans, but it also reveals how empty our culture has become. Yes, even during Christmas, when you might think otherwise. Oh, wait, we've got the uh, commercialization of Christmas going on, so I'm sure you, you know how empty it's become. It's a deeply depressing display of disconnection from our previous rich and selfless Christian culture, this dink thing. Only in a Christless culture will we find people bragging about living as married while actively opposing the birth of the new life that results from the husband-wife union. Only in a culture that doesn't understand the gift of children and the gift of Christ born as a child do you find numbskulls laughing it up that he's essentially impotent. We did it three times a week, he says, and we have no kids. In a Christian culture, the follow-up question to that would be whispered, probably by his dad or his uncle, son, do you think you're shooting blanks? <laughs> Why would that be the question? Well, because Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5, sums up the answer. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. 
He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. That's the perspective of a Christian culture when it comes to children. These dinks are just that, dinks. They boast of the weakness, but not in the blessed Pauline way, but in the Michael Scott kind of way. Not to boast in the Lord, where the, the boasting belongs, but, but thinking they're some kind of a stud. What they're boasting about is, is being a soy boy beta male, to use the cool guy terms. In a Christian culture, children are as treasured as arrows are to a warrior. Manly. Men desire them, pray for them, and seek out a woman to marry in order to receive them. And likewise, women wouldn't be, they wouldn't be holding up their barrenness, self-imposed or otherwise, as a trophy, bragging about it on the internet. But in a Christian culture, they would lament that they only got to assist the other women in their child rearing. Something like this is, is what's behind the, that old adage, that old saying, always the bridesmaid, never a bride. You want to be married, to have children, and enjoy life as it was designed by God to be lived out. In Christian culture, children, the fruit of the womb, are a reward. This dinkette, <laughs> she's super happy that she's childless. If she's a Christian, then she's biting off her nose despite her face and spitting on her ancestors' graves. You can hear the complete difference in character and worldview between her words and the words of Sarah in Genesis 18. Let's start at verse 10. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, and, and listen to this, guys. Listen carefully, this distinction between Sarah and the dinkette. After I'm worn out? And my, my Lord, my husband's old, shall I have pleasure? Pleasure. What was having children? Pleasure. A reward, in the words of Psalm 127, a reward. This pleasure is a gift given to women. It's what we hear, heard there in the text it's what's called the way of women. Not so for our dinks. They use contraception to purposely sterilize themselves, even if only temporarily. Taking the birth control pill would have been an absurd proposition for our forefathers in the faith. And yes, I said forefathers, even though we're talking about women, because only virtue-signaling leftists would say foremothers. It's even when we're talking about women. So you'll be okay. You'll be all right. And so will Karen. She'll be good too. But what happens when these self-huckolding dinks wind up pregnant? Well, that's when Planned Parenthood comes in, isn't it? I mean, you see the correlation, right? The, the dink lifestyle is completely in step. It's completely in lockstep with abortionist ideals. And when the condom breaks or, or she forgets to pop her hormone-altering, womb-changing pill, it's a good thing that you and I, elected public servants who think we're okay with our government taking $1.5 of our dollars, our taxes, out of our pockets and giving it to Planned Parenthood, and that's just from 2019 to 2021. Just think how nice we are. <laughs> Aren't you glad that your money could help your dinky grandkids out of their pregnancy jam? I know I sure am. The Daily Wire reported on this planned parenthood taxpayer evil 
wherein Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee said, you're looking at close to 600 million federal dollars that are going into abortion every single year. And, and now just to be clear, guys, the designation federal dollars, don't let that confuse you. Don't let that, that get in the way of your understanding of what's going on here. Don't be duped by that title, that designation. That's the designation of who's spending it, not whose money it is. The federal government is spending $600 million a year on abortion, as opposed to your state or your county or your city tax dollars going toward that. But it's not federal money. It's your money. It's your money that the feds spend on our behalf. You and I contribute to aborting babies every year to the tune of $600 million because of the people we elect and the decisions that have been made. Let's stop right there. Let that soak in for a minute. Let that settle in. Merry Christmas. And then we'll, we'll take a break. We'll come back and we'll continue looking at this uh, report from the Daily Wire on, on Planned Parenthood and our taxpayer dollars and how that's in connection to, in concert with, parallel to the dink phenomenon that hit the news last week. All right. Thanks for tuning in to Cross Defense. We'll be right back. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Put this wisdom of God into practice by listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple, and faithful pastors from around the world help sharpen my faith in Christ every episode. I know you'll be blessed by listening and studying God's Word with us. Listen to Sharper Iron weekdays at 8 a.m. on KFUO and on demand at KFUO.org, the KFUO radio app, and anywhere you get your podcasts. We're going to get asked daily when we plan on having kids. We're dinks. Of course we're going to go out to eat every night after work. We're dinks. We don't have to ask our family for financial help or to watch our kid when we want to go out. We're dinks. We're going to go to Costco and buy all the snacks in bulk that we want. We're dinks. We have disposable income to spend on whatever we would like and don't have to spend on a kid. We're dinks. I'm going to go to every football game and play 18 holes whenever I want. We're dinks. We're going to get asked to every single family event what we're doing with our life. Welcome back to Cross Defense. We are looking at the Daily Wire article all about Planned Parenthood. And uh, considering that in connection to the phenomenon known as dinks, dual income, no kids, sometimes married couples, sometimes not. And that's what we're talking about. So the DW article brings up an important point, one that we, we often hear spouted off by those who who want to sound more reasonable they want to sound more sophisticated in their view of the you know the nuanced navigation of such complicated issues such as abortion women's health care i think that's how they'd rather us talk about it you know while while human beings are having their heads ripped off and dragged out of their mother's wombs they, they want to have a, you know, a more nuanced conversation the article says <laughs> while the hyde amendment bars the use of federal funds for most abortions, it does not prevent organizations like Planned Parenthood from receiving those funds, and here's, here's the kicker, if they are earmarked for other purposes. So what happens? Planned Parenthood gets your money, our money, my money, and spends it on peripheral expenses, which then frees up their other funds to spend on killing babies. So it, it doesn't matter where the earmarked money's going, it's all helping the cause of abortion. Because if they're not spending their money that they already have on, on these peripheral things, then they can, if they're spending our money on that, that means they have excess money, the money they would have been spending on the periphery, they're spending now on the, the specific things connected to abortion. So maybe they'll spend ours on, on you know, the, the heating bill or the lights or something. I don't know how exactly it works. And then they'll, they'll spend their money on you know, the, uh, the pliers that they use to pull the baby out. It's, it's all sixes here, guys. It's sixes. So when Mr. and Mrs. Dink get pregnant, they can go from the preventative pill, the contraception pill, 
birth control pill, which of course can itself kill a fertilized egg, otherwise known as a human being, by making the conditions of the woman's womb hostile to implantation, refer to last week's episode where we heard from Dr. Harrison. But they can just shift from that when Mrs. Dink gets pregnant and start popping a different kind of Pez. They can, they can go to the Pez dispenser that gives them the, uh, the abortion pill, which is all, all in vogue right now. It's the, it's the premier way of, of killing your baby. If you can't prevent it, well, kill it. Why? Why, again, are we talking about this? Back to our Business Insider article, right? Deciding not to have kids, I'm quoting here, deciding not to have kids and instead deciding to just focus on our interests and our desires and what we want out of life has just given us a little bit more freedom, essentially to take advantage of the world now versus having to wait until our kids are grown or until we retire, if we retire said Nicole Valdez, a 37-year-old publishing publicity manager and Dinkwad, previously told Business Insider. Yeah, remember, Dinkwad is, um, well, it's dual income, no kids with a dog. Selfishness is what that quote is because that is the culture we have. It's it's, uh, independent, self-serving which is to say the only cohesive thing we have in our culture, the only thing that actually binds Americans together is our selfishness. That is the thing we share in common. The Christian culture, it's one of service to neighbor. It's cruciform in its shape, meaning it extends from from Christ's cross and the selfless love that Christ has for us And it serves others before it serves self. Jesus didn't put himself before anyone else. He left the glorious throne of heaven and came down in humility on earth to live and die for you in our stead. Not seeing equality with God a thing to be grasped, but humbling himself in service to neighbor. He laid himself down for us. He died for us, was killed for us. Did you puke a little bit when you heard Nicole Valdez's quote? Deciding not to have kids and instead deciding to just focus on our interests and our desires and what we want out of life. Now, I want to upchuck the vile flavor of evil that I just swallowed with my ears. And you could rightly say that that is as anti-Christian as a statement can get. Yes, it is. Don't fool yourself. That is the epitome of the antithesis to Christianity. Reading from Luther's The Freedom of a Christian, since freedom is apparently what the dinks are after, we learn a lot about freedom in Christ's selfless sacrifice for us on the cross. And then we also learn that we don't live life alone. No, no man is an island. No, we live with other people in this world. Go figure. I mean, I know your screen may make it seem like you're the only real player in this game and everybody else is a, what do they say, non-human computer player? I don't know what the jargon is. You may think everybody else is an avatar. (laughs) It's fake. But no, there are other humans on this planet and we live with them. Luther writes, we do not live in this mortal body and focus only on it. Sorry, dinks. That's not the end-all, be-all of life. Rather, Luther says, we live with all other people on earth. Indeed, we live for others and for ourselves. So we do live for ourselves, yes, after we live 
for others. The reason we discipline our bodies is to serve our neighbors genuinely and freely. In Romans 14, 7 to 8, still quoting here from the freedom of a Christian, in Romans 14, 7 to 8, Paul says, we do not live to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. See how I can say the, the dink statement is anti-Christian? Because they're only living for themselves. They're not living for the Lord in service to neighbor who needs their works. In this life, we can never, back to, the, to Luther's quote here, in this life, we can never be idle and without works toward our neighbor. Rather, it's necessary to live fully among people, conversing and dealing with them as Christ did, who was made in human likeness. Let us be clear that no one needs to do these things to attain righteousness and salvation. We're not talking about works righteousness. We're not talking about saved by the law. No. Therefore, we should be guided in all our works because Christ has already been crucified for us and saved us. We should be guided in all our works by this one thought alone. Now listen up, dinks, that we may serve and benefit others in everything that is done, having nothing else before our eyes except the need and advantage of the neighbor. The Apostle Paul wants us to work with our hands in order to share with the needy, Ephesians 5, verse 28. Notice that he could have said, this is still Luther talking, that we should work to support ourselves. He didn't say that. He didn't say that, Dink. But Paul says that we work to give to those in need. This is why caring for our body is also a Christian work, Luther emphasizes. If the body is healthy and fit, we're able to work and save money that can be used to help those in need. In this way, the stronger member of the body can serve the weaker. And this demonstrates that we are children of God, caring and working for the well-being of others and fulfilling the law of Christ by bearing one another's burdens. So the dink statement about only being interested in their own interests and their own desires and, and wanting to do their own thing, wanting to, to fly off to Florida on a whim or buy an $8 latte or whatever that, that gal said in the video, that is contrary to the Christian life. This demonstrates, Luther said, our lifestyle of service to others demonstrates that we are children of God, caring and working for the well-being of others and fulfilling the law of Christ by bearing one another's burdens. How are the dinks bearing our burden? Now, you could make an argument that they're, because they're taking care of their financial situation that they're not going to be a drain on society. I'll give them that. I will give them that. Maybe. Because the drain will come when they have no children in their life to take care of them when they're older. Because our current culture and how we take care of our elderly, it is wanting, and it does flow out beyond the family border to the neighbor. So you could actually then go the other way and say, nope, can't give you that one, dinks. Because you may seem like you're going to not be a drain on society by the way you're living, but you're actually reducing the people, the right people who should be able to care for you and take care of you when you're older. And you're going to put that burden on someone else when the day comes, a stranger, someone who should be freed up with their own time to take care of their own aging grandparent or parent or whatever it is. So you can see how you can cut that argument out off at the knees pretty quick. Here you have the true Christian life, Luther says. One where faith is active in love, Galatians 5, 6. It expresses itself joyfully and lovingly and results in the freest possible service. Service to neighbor. Satisfied with our own abundance of faith, we Christians serve the neighbor without any hope of reward. See, all this is to say 
dear Cross Defense listeners out there in internet land, that there can be no Christian dinks because the choice is one of selfishness. They think they're pursuing freedom. And maybe, maybe they are actually pursuing freedom. That's their pursuit. But that dog is barking up the wrong tree. They will not find it. Luther continues, any work that is not done exclusively to bring the body under control or serve the neighbor, as long as he or she does not request something contrary to God's will, is neither good nor Christian. As a result, I have a great fear that few, if any, Luther says, clerical associations, monasteries, altars, and offices of the church are truly Christian in our day and in ours, friends, and in ours. Dinking, the dink life, dinkendom, it's modern monasticism, guys. That's what it is. It's the pursuit of freedom from the world by checking out of it, rejecting vocational relationships. Only it's exercised on the opposite side of the coin, the other extreme, right? There's two extremes, one error. Where monks avoid vocational life through vows of poverty, dinks commit the same error through the accumulation of wealth. And, and keeping themselves unhindered by children. In the medieval church, monastics were seen as, as holier than the regular married folks. Today, the dinks are presenting their lifestyle. Well, they, might not, they might not use the word holier, but, but more free, I guess. That's the word they would use. But at the end of the day, it's the same thing. For What is the, the true Christian uh, holiness? What are we talking about? Freedom in Christ, right? So same thing. Nevertheless, dinks are suggesting a better way to live the better way is to separate oneself from, from the, the regular, traditional vocations of husband and wife with, with consequentially, <laughs> the, which result in fatherhood and motherhood, right? That's, that's, they're saying that's the life of the hoi polloi. That's the life of the unclean masses. We've got a better way. We're dinks. We max out our 401ks and our Roth IRAs and HSAs. We're dinks. We live a holier life. This is our version, or one of our versions, of the error that Luther knew in his day, known as monasticism. It is a rejection of the world. It is a rejection of what God designed, the vocations that God put in place, husband and wife, father and mother, children, and how we serve each other in these vocations. And it's going to result in similar evils as we saw come out of the medieval monastic lifestyle. Rejection of vocation always does. A rose by any other name, it's still a rose. Okay, so I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I wanted to talk about all of this dink stuff from a Christian perspective. So what do I mean by that? How do we talk about this from a Christian perspective? I mean that every child born, every child is a reminder of the child born of Mary, Jesus, the Christ. Now, all throughout the Old Testament, the promise of the Messiah oriented husbands and wives to treasure the birth of children as the Hebrews looked for the fulfillment of the promise. There was this, this immense value found in childbearing, having offspring. We hear, it, we hear it right after Adam and Eve's fall into sin with the very first gospel word spoken. Genesis 3.15, the Lord God says to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. We already have the setup right there. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. 
The Hebrew people treasured children. Again, Psalm 127 shows it clearly. But when we stop and reflect on the promise of the offspring of woman being the savior of mankind, our redemption, our restoration from the fall, well, then we begin to understand the depth, the immensity, the enormity of the weight of the Egyptian evil decreed against Israel that led to, to Moses being placed in the, in the basket in the Nile, right? The Pharaoh had commanded the Hebrew midwives to kill Israel's newborn sons, taking out the chance in the, from the, in the mind of the, of the Hebrew, chance of the Messiah coming. Read that in light of the promised Messiah, and it takes on a deeper meaning, richer fuller. The same goes for the slaughter of innocents after Jesus was born and Herod was tricked by the wise men. Yes, the murder of babies is awful in its own right. Just like we were talking about with abortion. It's horrible. Add to that the threat of taking out the savior of the world in the process. Oh, Oh, man. How can we stand it? All right, so let's take another break. We're up at our next break. We'll come back. We're going to wrap up this conversation, and we're going to talk about how if the Hebrews were looking for the coming of the promised Messiah, what are we doing now on this side of Christmas? Thanks for tuning in to Cross Defense. Hello, friends. I'm Pastor Phil Boo, host of Thy Strong Word. Each weekday morning at 11 a.m., Join me and a guest pastor as we explore God's Word, which strengthens our faith and guides our lives. You can listen over the air, online at kfuo.org, or through your favorite podcasting app. Just search for Thy Strong Word, only from KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. going to be asked constantly by family, friends, and strangers when we're going to have kids. We're dinks. We're going to go to Costco and buy all the snacks we want. We're dinks. We're going to support our friends who have kids, even if we decide to never have any. We're dinks. We're going to have lots of disposable income to spend on whatever we like. <laughs> we're dinks. We're going to get chastised by people on the internet because they're going to assume that we're just obsessed with material things, even though arguably you need a lot more material things once you have kids. We're dinks. We don't need to find a sitter or rope our family into babysitting when we want to go out for the night. We're dinks. We're going to be told the only way that we'll ever be fulfilled in life is by having kids. We're dinks. We're going to book flights whenever we feel like it. We're dinks. We're still going to stick to a strict budget to meet our financial goals, no matter how much wiggle room we have in our finances. We're dinks. We're not going to make a life-altering choice just because everybody else is doing it. Welcome back to Cross Defense. Before Jesus' birth, we looked at babies with the hope of the fulfillment of the ancient prophecy coming true, the promise of Genesis 3.15. Now that he's come, now that our Lord has been born, in our post-Christmas age, we look at every baby born as a reminder that the Messiah has indeed come. Every baby is a little lesson in the Lord, praise be to Jesus, that he was born a man to live for us, and to die for us, that he would, he would set us free from our sin, that we would be set free from our sin, that he did set us free, and, and live with him forever as his justified people. Dinkism, on the other hand, stands in complete stark opposition to all of that goodness. We're dinks. The way we live is antithetical to Christ. That's what they should have said. Birth control stands also in opposition to Jesus, just in general as its own category, although the two are interrelated. Can you imagine the coming of Christ in in our superficial, narcissistic age of me-firstism? Thanks be to God Mary and Joseph weren't dinks. 
Thanks be to God for Matthew 1, 18 to 25, yeah? Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Friends, the season of Advent is a time to remember our Lord's coming. We do so by reflecting on his promise to come on Judgment Day. We do so by reflecting on his, on his coming to us in word and sacrament. And we do so by reflecting on his coming as a child born of Mary, who being faithful was as far from a dink as a woman could ever be. She wasn't selfish, was she? No. What was she? She was a servant. After conceiving the news that she would conceive a child and bear the Son of God, she said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Luke 1.38. When Mary visited Elizabeth, who though once barren, was now in her old age, pregnant with John the Baptist, what did Elizabeth say? Blessed are you, Mary, right? Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Luke one forty two. That language sure sounds familiar, doesn't it? Why blessed among women? Because the way of women, as we've seen, is to bear children. As we also heard, the fruit of the woman's womb is what? A reward. We've heard this language of the fruit of the womb. Mary's pregnancy was a reward of a particular sort, indeed. And so she sings, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Luke 1, 46-48. Would that our culture recognized the blessing Mary received. But to do so requires seeing the human conception of children as a reward. As long as we continue in our waywardness, as long as we continue to celebrate sterility, abortion, contraception, as long as we continue to treat children as a sexually transmitted disease, well, then we're going to have a hard time appreciating just how blessed Mary truly was. Because to understand the greater blessing, we need a, an initial understanding of the lesser reward. And we make evident daily in the West in this culture of ours, that we don't have a clue about what that lesser reward truly is. 
to do that, to get that understanding, to gain that appreciation for, for children. We need the word of God. That, that thing which once unified all of us as a culture, not selfishness, but the word of God, the word made flesh who was selfless for us. Through it, through the word of God, through scripture, through the Bible, and only through it will our neighbors learn to sing the rest of Mary's Magnificat. This is the gift, dear saints, that you give your neighbors as Christians who still treasure children. Whether it's Christmas time or not, you give them this gift because by the power of the Holy Spirit, you still treasure Christ Jesus, born a child for you. Your gift to your neighbors, be they dinks or otherwise, is the gift you were given, Jesus Christ. It's the gift Mary was given that moved her to sing. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Yes, even ours. Yes, even our generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Self-absorbed, dinky hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Those we're open to children and marriage. It may be, may be that that means that you don't get to 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 go on these uh have these these snobby hobbies like skiing and golfing and and you don't get to go on these these uh, vacations like Florida you fly in there on a whim on a weekend or or planning your next European European vacation. Yeah, that may mean that it may mean that you can't max out your four hundred one k's, your Roth IRAs, and your HSAs, but the mighty who can do all of those things, the mighty, they will be brought down from their $8 latte thrones and you will, with your children, living in your humble estate, be exalted. Not because of your lifestyle, to be clear, but because of your faith, your faith in Christ, which is where everything begins. Bringing it back to what Pastor Stuckwich said, for the, for the husband and wife, it begins. Faith is where it begins. And that grows into what can be seen, as Luther was saying, the evidence that documents what's going on in our hearts, whether there's faith there or not. You will be exalted, not because of your lifestyle, but because of Christ Jesus and your trust in his word, which informs and norms your lifestyle, to not be like the world, because you know he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Luke 1, 49 to 55, right? The Magnificat. We have now been through the whole thing. For in Christ Jesus, dear saints, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female, for you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are not a dink, but Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. There's where your identity lies. Why we don't make these videos. I'm a dink, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm a Christian. The thing that defines me, the one title I want to project to the world and let the internet know I am as a Christian. I'm a Christian. And so I'll have a quiver full of kids if the Lord will bless me with that. I'm a Christian. So I will be open to bearing children. 
as I enjoy the conjugal rights of marriage if I am married. And if I'm not, well then, obviously I won't have kids because I won't be having sex. All right, friends. This is the, uh, the last show of the year. Tune in to KFUO Radio for, for all of the, the faith-encouraging programming during the 12 days of Christmas. I hope everything we got going on here at KFUO does build you up. Christ is truly for you anytime, anywhere. It is a pleasure as we wrap up 2023 here on Cross Defense. It has been a pleasure and a joy to serve you this last year and all the years before. With God's word, I thank you for the privilege and the honor to be able to come into your, your iPhone, <laughs> however you listen to the show, to be in your ears. And I thank you for all this year of sending in your comments, your questions, your bits of biblical brilliance, and you do got them, guys. It is great to be a partner with you. I will tell you, as we wrap up the show here, that you know, I've been telling you guys a lot about turning off YouTube and turning off your uh, podcast pastors and stuff like this, and I'm uh, turning over a new leaf on that. Had some great counsel given to me by wiser people, and um, yeah, I realized that that might not be the best advice because you could be listening. I don't know your condition. I don't know your circumstances. I could be telling you to turn me off and turn on some wayward pastor. I don't know. Not everybody who listens to this show is, is even LCMS. Or maybe if you are, your church happens to be LCMS and ELCA. It's not supposed to be a thing, but I know firsthand that it is. And would I, would I advocate and promote that listener to turn me off and go turn on uh, the ELCA pastor? No, I would not. So going into 2024, we got some new changes coming here. Um, you'll hear some different things. We're going to have some more guests on the show, but we're also going to uh, appreciate this vocational blessing for what it is. And I thank you for coming along this ride with me. Guys, Merry Christmas to you and to yours. We'll talk to you in the new year. Cross Defense is a production of KFUO Radio. Find past episodes and support Cross Defense at KFUO.org.